2: This is Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, and in this episode, we're talking Honey Boy, plus all the latest movie and trailer news. Oh boy. I said, oh boy?
0: No,
3: I just feel like adding something. (laughs) Because I feel like that's a thing we do now. Yes, oh
2: boy. So Lee, this week we saw Honey Boy. We did indeed. And we had a really great experience in the Sony building with their little viewing Mm. room, which was really, really special, kind of cool. So thank you to Sony for that experience. What was your initial reactions to this film? And then we can kind of talk about the film itself.
3: My initial reaction was this, was a really fascinating piece of art. Yes. If you want to talk about film being art, I feel like this is a perfect example of an artwork of a film.
2: Yeah. I feel like it was, you know, there are a lot of films out there about a father-son relationship. Mm. And I think that this one was a really interesting, engaging and often at times horrific and confronting take on that, Mm. but a really, really beautifully told, very honest and raw. So speaking of honest and raw, I guess it's come from the source. So Shia LaBeouf, wrote the screenplay and it's based Mm. on his early life as a child actor and then obviously as mentioned before it's about a relationship between a father and his son and Shia LaBeouf actually plays his Mm. own father in this film
3: which is so meta the film is so self-referential and just kind of folds in on itself and Mm. expands and and that's what I mean by artwork it's just there's so many layers to this film
2: Shire has done a lot of really interesting projects over the last 10 years, I guess, since he moved away from the big blockbuster films mm. that he was originally known for, like the Transformers films.
3: But that and- also kind of coincides with a lot of personal issues for oh, him. Oh, absolutely. He's been in the news mostly for, I guess, behaving like a bit of a brat, really, mm. and labelling himself a performance artist, mm. doing some really weird things. Which now when you see this film, you feel like is maybe a cry for help.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. One of my favourite things that Shia did was back-to-back, watched all his films, Mm. but streamed it online. And so all the camera did was focus on him in his seat in the cinema. And you heard the films in the background. Mm. So from Holes to Transformers to Indiana Jones. Mm. And just his reactions to it. And there were often times where he was asleep or he (laughs) went off to the toilet to come back or whatever. But it was really fascinating watching him, how he himself as an actor reacted to his performance or the films and projects that he was a part of. Mm. And this I think is at its purest form because I honestly, knowing, having watched the film, knowing what Shire's father, how he was an addict Mm. and, and how he was his, what do they call it? Chaperon on films when he was a young boy. So Mm. ultimately Shire is a young actor employed his father
3: living on film sets yes. living in hotel rooms and yeah. the only adult you have around is a self-destructive mm. man-child basically
2: you would think that Shire playing his own father would be traumatic but mm. and and at times I think it would have been the things that he was saying things that he was physically doing were very disturbing but I guess this film was very cathartic for him don't you think as an artist
3: cathartic is a great word and Mm. i think it seemed like he was trying to understand and maybe forgive his father by doing this and as you said by playing his own father Mm. it's a very strange move on the surface but also very insightful Mm. because it could just very easily be a one-note villain you know he could just paint his father as this horrible person who ruined his life Mm. and he brought such nuance to the character yeah his performance was incredible.
2: Just unbelievable.
3: And that you could argue that that's because he knows the material so well, obviously. But it's also, I think, I'm really enjoying Shia LaBeouf's performances lately. Yes. I never thought I would say that. I mean, he's always been quite good. Hmm. His movies have sometimes been left of centre. Yeah, exactly. So he's done blockbusters, but recently he's been done a lot of independent films. Yeah. And I just have never been all that interested in the eclectic directions that he seems to go in there doesn't Mm -hmm. seem to be any connection with these kind of roles on the surface but he still puts in an incredible performance and this movie is extra incredible because he has that connection i think
2: i've been on a bit of a well we have i guess Mm. been on a bit of a shia labeouf love affair journey yeah we've seen him recently in peanut butter falcon which is a podcast episode we've Mm. done a review on so check that out obviously honey boy and josh and i watched Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal <laughs> Skull. Yeah. And, I mean, that film has a lot wrong with it, but it is a lot of fun. And Shire, watching his performance, and unfairly, I suppose, comparing to what I'd seen mm. him last week, you know, in Honey Boy, I was like, wow, what a journey you've been on. But he's always been very, very engaging in front of the camera. Mm. I think that he's never lost that and he, he never didn't have that. He's he was had the it factor. He had it. He's always had something. And I think in Honey Boy, I actually feel that this is his best performance to date.
3: Absolutely. I mean, from what we know of him in recent times, the the over-the-top performance art, it's impressive to see how restrained and focused this story is. Yes. He's done a fantastic job writing the script. Did we mention that he wrote the script?
2: Uh, At the beginning, yeah. Yeah. But it's worth mentioning again Mm. and going into detail in how he manages to, I guess, write and devise a certain pace about the story he's trying to tell. He doesn't try to tell too much over too much period of (laughs) time, which I think is a mistake that a lot of films make when you're doing like a biopic, if you will. Mm. You're trying to cover too many decades or years or experiences. This is – it does have the flashback. It kind of – what is it? It starts with him as a young adult who's played brilliantly by Lucas Hedges Mm -hmm. and then it goes back to him as a boy with his father – played by noah dupe who is just sensational
3: yeah and noah we've seen recently in ford versus ferrari and a quiet place
2: yes so he's definitely on the rise Mm -hmm. but what a turn what it what a what a performance really i don't really know how else to describe it he had to go places or understand things that as a young actor often don't come across as no genuine And he was utterly convincing.
3: There were some really heartbreaking moments in there that he had to portray. But what struck me about this story and about this film was how good the self-awareness was Mm. there. Like there was a real maturity to this script. Yes. Which I find myself being surprised by. But you shouldn't be. As we said, Shia is a fantastic performer.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think obviously because it was so personal, I guess there's a different layer. I mean, look, storytelling should play on personal experiences and you Mm. can't get more personal than this. Mm. And so I think that even if the film wasn't as impactful as we both agree that it was, it was always going to feel quite real Mm. regardless because it was coming from such a dark place and from dark places come beautiful things. Mm. I think Uh, that's a really
3: nice way of putting it.
2: mm. Not to say that I walked out of the cinema smiling.
3: No,
2: I walked out of the cinema contemplating relationships and how that can affect you later in life and then what you do about it to make things right for yourself.
3: Which again is what the best movies do. Mm. That's why we
2: love movies. That's why we love movies. <laughs> do you want to uh, share this piece of information that you pulled? Cause I think this mm. is really interesting. What's
3: interesting around the time that this film was written which, again, is of another very meta moment. He addresses that in the film that he goes to rehab and as part of his treatment, he needs to work through his relationship with his father and he does that by writing a script, yeah. which is what Shire actually did. And this only happened a couple of years ago mm. where he was arrested for, I believe, drunken disorderly behaviour in Savannah, which is where he was filming The Peanut Butter Falcon. Mm. So this happened around the time that he was filming The Peanut Butter Falcon and his co-star, Zach Gottsagen, actually said to him that he was really disappointed in him Mm. and that was a turning point for him he says I mean Mm. obviously there was a lot more building up to it but that really that disappointment in Zach's face and him saying that to him really helped him realize that he needed help
2: I think that a lot of artists and rightfully so it works for them you know this PR machine Mm. you have a a media release or a press conference or something you talk about I made a mistake and this happened this is what I'm going to do mm. Shire, in his wonderful way as an artist decided to communicate that to us through film mm. he's trying to talk to us and say I'm going through some shit or I went through some shit and this is how I'm digging myself out and that's what I got from Honey Boy it was his mm. letter to us but told through the medium of film
3: mm. and that's What makes this doubleheader of films of his so incredible? The Peanut Butter Falcon Mm. and Honey Boy, I think we'll see in years to come that these two films were incredibly significant in his career.
2: Absolutely. And here we are talking about those two films Mm. and already understanding that that might be something that will be discussed in the past. I can see those two films being uh, talked about uh, through tertiary education, you know, in universities, Mm. looking back at Shire as an artist... And how they relate so closely to each other in his journey as a human being and as a as an actor.
3: What would you give it out of Five Popcorn Kernels?
2: Honey Boy was a wonderful, wonderful film. And I think we didn't talk enough about oh, Noah, but I think mm. he was just so extraordinary. I think it was casting is everything when you are focusing so closely on something so small Mm. as in a period of time or an experience and this is them just bouncing from set to their accommodation and whatnot and everything in between but i would give this a four popcorn kernels out of five
3: i'm gonna agree with you there i think it's some of his best work
2: yeah yeah and a real shame just obviously award scene award season has ended Mm. now and i think that this film was one that went a bit too far under the radar and i think it would have it should have been a bit more um prominent in the in the awards Mm. circuit but you know what, can't win them all
3: there were some other new releases this week we had fantasy island which is a more horror-based adaptation of the 1970s tv show Mm -hmm. it's about a tropical resort run by the mysterious mr rourke where people's dreams come true but Blomhouse Productions have taken that concept and really twisted it into a shocking horror.
2: As they do very well. Mm. Sonic the Hedgehog is also out in cinemas, and this is actually racing to the top of the box office, mm. which is really interesting to hear. And people are really loving Jim Carrey's zany take on Dr. Robotnik, especially, and it's based, obviously, on the Sega video game.
3: We've also got Emma, which is a slightly modernised adaptation of the classic Jane Austen novel about a rich socialite who finds her match. It stars Anya Taylor-Joy as Emma. And this has a very vibrant colour palette. So that's the way they've modernised it. They've made a really pretty movie, if Mm. nothing else.
2: Yeah. Richard Jewell is also in cinemas. And that's a hard-hitting drama based on the real American security guard who saved people from the bomb attack at the 1996 Olympics. But he was then accused of being a terrorist by the press. So I think that would be a really interesting film Mm. to look in and kind of read between the lines there. That stars Paul Walker-Hauser. Sam Rockwell, Olivia Wilde, Kathy Bates as Richard's mother, who was recently nommed for an Academy Award. Mm.
3: We also have The Learning Fragments, which is a documentary about, you know, sometimes controversial Australian cartoonist Michael Lernig.
2: Now, lots of news to cover this week Mm. that has been unearthed in film land.
0: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... For full, important safety information, visit juviderm.com And oh, yeah.
2: obviously we go into this podcast without really hearing our opinions of things.
0: <laughs> and this, <laughs> Are one, you interested?
2: Yeah. So I think we'll just kick it off by talking about No Time to Die. So the official Bond song, mm. which is this huge moment in of itself yeah. um, of, of a new Bond film coming out. It's a song. Who's singing it? Mm. What's the title of the song, which usually is the The name of the film? And what does it sound like? And will it just get that standard Oscar nom 12 months down the line? So Billie uh, Eilish. I'm
3: going to say no to that last one. Yeah. Just straight off the bat. But (laughs) it was very Bond. Very Bond. It felt very Bond. Yeah. Didn't have those soaring power ballad feels to it that you get with a Bond song.
2: Thank you. I was worried about... (laughs) Oh, not about you in particular, but I've heard people say, oh, it's a fantastic podcast. Obviously, Billie Eilish is, a, is an incredible young artist, and she's come off a great lot of success from yeah. her last album at the Grammys. Yeah. She's got this subtle, like, haunting vibe about her, and she's her sound is really unique and beautiful. Mm. And I think she carried that into the Bond song, so it was very distinctively Billie mm. Eilish. But to your point... A Bond song at some point, it builds and it needs to crescendo, right? It built and it was quite nice, quite subtle, but I don't think it found that peak. Mm. And I didn't get that Bond song chill.
3: Did it tell you anything about the movie? Did you glean anything from it about what the movie's going to be about?
2: No, see, I watched the song cut into some vision from the film mm. and didn't help me understand the tone of the film enough.
3: I'm worried that it's going to be a little bit repetitive Mm. in that the words of the song say something to the effect of you fool me twice, blah, blah. Is he going to find himself in love with another woman who double crosses him?
2: Probably. I mean, those lyrics aren't groundbreaking and it's unsurprising that they're there. And I wonder if you can really read into the lyrics that much or maybe I'm just not being... As insightful as you are, and I'll be proven (laughs) wrong, which happens often, and I'm okay with that. I guess, personally, though, I think it's better than Sam Smith's version from the last film. Right. I really didn't vibe with that. Okay. That one.
3: We also heard that Knives Out is officially getting a sequel. I mean, we knew it was going to happen, but now it's officially in the works Mm -hmm. with Daniel Craig's Detective Benoit Blanc. Mm Mm-hmm investigating another case. So it's going to be a whole new cast of characters. We won't see anyone coming back except for Daniel Craig.
2: Yeah, I guess it's like Poirot, you know. It's yeah. just following this the life and cases of, of a detective. Mm. You know, I didn't like Knives Out and...
3: I loved Knives Out, but and I did that- think Daniel Craig was one of the weakest elements of it.
2: Yeah, so let's carry him through to the <laughs> sequel, shall we? <laughs> Look, I feel like this is just going to fizzle out into nothing. I don't think there's enough interest in this becoming a franchise in of itself. But we'll see. We'll see. So Baz Luhrmann, he's going out hard casting his Elvis biopic. Mm. And Maggie Gyllenhaal, who I love and adore, she's been cast as Elvis's mother, Gladys. And I believe that Elvis and his mother had a really close relationship. So Mm. I think I'm really keen to see how Maggie brings that sort of relationship to the screen Um, and that starts filming in the next few months, I believe. So we'll hopefully start to see some character pics and on-set photos and all the rest of it.
3: Some really big news, and pun intended, (laughs) is Rick Moranis. (laughs) Rick Moranis is coming out of retirement to return for a new Disney sequel to Honey, I Shrunk the kids mm. with the original director Joe Johnson on board which is very exciting that is big and Josh Gad is going to star as his grown-up son who I believe was called Nick who wants to be a scientist just like his dad and ends up shrinking his family so this is one that we call a reboot because the storyline is way similar to the mm-hmm. first story
2: yeah I mean it's kind of it is it does have flavors of a sequel you're bringing original characters obviously in Rick this is so interesting I mean this guy, he left Hollywood Yeah, over 20, like 25 years ago. And
3: Ghostbusters something. couldn't bring him back, but Honey, I shrank the Kids there, Apparently
2: there are rumours that he's going to have a cameo in the new Ghostbusters. No. But okay. almost that would take away the sheen of this being his return, but whatever. Mm-hmm. I remember, lo- I need to revisit these films because I don't think I've seen them since I was a kid, like mm. since the mid-90s. I'm really excited to revisit them and hopefully pave the way for anticipation for this return. I just think it's really random, but also I'm on board for some reason.
3: This is the kind of nostalgia I can get on board with. Yeah, yeah. Aladdin 2 has a script in the works, so no casting users yet, but it's going to have the same producing team, and they're aiming for a theatrical release, which is interesting because the animated sequels went straight to DVD. So Disney's Mm. now changing tactic and Mm. pushing all their live-action sequels to... Yeah.
2: I mean, it's proven that these uh, reimagined classics, as they call it on the Disney Plus platform, Mm. is, um, you know, they've, they've been a success. So it's no surprise that they're churning out some sequels. But often with... Disney's classic animated films, their sequels, like you said, go straight to DVD, they're not very good. (laughs) So I wonder if they're going to be inspired by those stories that already exist, or they're kind of having that more creative license and freedom to churn out a new story and adventure. Mm. That's what I'm most interested in waiting to find out.
3: Well, that's it for news. We had a lot of trailers this week too.
2: Some really, really exciting ones. Now, The French Dispatch, I love Wes Anderson. Yes. And this is just dripping in Wes Anderson in his quirkiness. but just like... And it's jam-packed
3: with a massive cast of people who are always in his films, plus some new people. Jeffrey Wright's in there. I'm not sure if he's ever been in a Wes Anderson film. I
2: don't recall him. No. Um,
3: And this movie is a love letter to journalists set in an outpost of an American newspaper in a fictional 20th century French city.
2: Yeah, it just looks splendid. Mm. It's very chaotic and quirky and weird and wonderful and when they list the cast that the big top build and then there's like this boom at the end and it's just like 30 names and you're kind of glancing at trying to catch all these famous people Mm -hmm. that are in it and it's so overwhelming it's brilliant cannot wait
3: We also got a new trailer for The Hunt, which was a movie that was scheduled for a release last year, but was pulled Mm. or cancelled, as we thought, because of all the mass shootings in America. So now they've decided they're actually going to bring it out. Mm. It's coming out very soon. And we got a new trailer for it, which kind of threw up what I thought it was about into the air. So it's about sort of like a Hunger Games style.
2: Yeah. I don't know how to describe it. Rich people hunting Everyday people. Yeah. Like, honestly, I've thought that it was just such a joke. Like I'm watching this trailer going, there is nothing new original here. Mm. Yet they're trying really hard to make it feel like it's new and original. All those random conversations that are happening happening between Hillary Swank in a kitchen with mm. some guy going, do you really think rich people are hunting for sport? I'm like, yeah, because that's kind of what you fucking told us in, in the trailer. But mm. now you're trying to tell us that it's not. And yeah, like trying, maybe
3: we don't really know what's going on, which
2: is fine. I mean, duh. Obviously, we're not. It's meant to have a twist or whatever, but I just felt this film was a bit off. Mm, okay. And some really bad wigs. Oh, Emma Roberts. Yeah, Emma Roberts. A wig. To, oh, well, I think it's a wig. Anyway, I'm convinced it's a wig. It just looks <laughs> terrible. I'm like, if, if you distract me with a bad wig, like, I'm out already. <laughs> <laughs> this
3: was super exciting. The internet went into meltdown. Over um, a first look at Robert Pattinson in his Batman suit. So Matt yes. Reeves, the director, shared a short video of the camera test. Mm. And it was very cool.
2: It was cool. I wasn't expecting this, which is how these sorts of things should be drip fed to us as audience members who are excited about these films. I love the new bat suit. Mm. I guess whether it's the one he wears the whole time or whether there's, you know, they always, there's always some sort of... New bat suit at the end or in the third act or something. But this one feels really gritty and and mm. worn like he's not a new Batman. He's been mm. around a while. It looks quite like fucked up, if you will.
3: yeah, it's very arkham, yes, and it looks like armor. doesn't look like a skin tight cat suit. Yeah, it looks like armor, proper yeah. armor.
2: yeah. Which sounds weird that we're like getting excited over that, but it kind of makes sense yeah. that it should be armor rather than, you know, nipples on a bat suit, you know, vacuum suction <laughs> it onto your, onto your eight exactly. abs. But what I think excited me probably more than the bat suit mm. was the music. Mm. And I'm going, is that the new Batman theme that they're bringing into the fold here? And I really quite, I dig it. Mm. I really dig it. So hopefully it is because I like it.
3: We also got a little first look at the very excellent Mr. Dundee, which just came out of nowhere, by the way. Paul Hogan plays a version of himself on the brink of receiving a knighthood and trying desperately not to mess it up. So it's a real comedy of errors Mm. kind of film. But it's got some big names in it. It's got John Cleese, Chevy Chase, Olivia Newton-John
2: all appear. Now, if he's playing himself, I want, like... Are they, like, is he friends with all these people? Probably. I guess. But isn't it a mixed bag of a cast? It's so freaking random. Mm. And I'm all for that. I'm very interested to see the tone and how much, like, I feel like Paul Hogan would take the piss of himself here, I think. Mm. Because everyone else kind of does and has for the last little while. And I think this is an opportunity for him to just be self-deprecating and have a bit of fun. But we'll see, because he does sometimes take himself a bit seriously.
3: So what's coming on February 20?
2: So we have The Professor and the Madman out on Feb 20. And this is a true story about how a professor and a convicted murderer created the Oxford English Dictionary. And it's starring Sean Penn and Mel Gibson. Mm -hmm. That's one to catch.
3: There's also The Call of the Wild, starring Harrison Ford as a surly prospector who bonds with a sled dog. It's a remake of a 1935 adventure film that was originally based on a book and it's going to meld CGI with live action. We'll mm. see how well they do that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've also got the rhythm section and that stars Blake Lively as a woman out for revenge when her family is murdered. So it's uh, co-stars Jude Law and Sterling K. Brown. And this film's already come out in America and it's one of the biggest bombs of recent times.
3: The title doesn't really match with the.
2: I don't get it. It'll I, be it'll be embedded somewhere yeah. in, in in the story, but it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't really jump out. And just on that, mm. so Birds of Prey and the Emancipation of Wonder Harley Quinn, mm. a mouthful. We need to take a couple of breaths to get through that. That ha- it's doing okay in the box office, but Warner Brothers have retitled it mm. because they've obviously understood that the. The, the draw of the film is Harley Quinn. So they brought that at the front. So it's now been retitled to try and get more interest and stand out cinemas called Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey. So mm. they've lost the whole crazy title where Harley Quinn is right at the end and Birds of Prey is right at the front. They've swapped it around.
3: That's marketing what I want, really. Mm.
2: And I find that interesting. I am lo- I'm read that piece of news and I'm like, it should have always been called that. <laughs> it's just like penny dropped. I'm like, yeah. awkward. Anyway, back on to What's Out (laughs) next week. We've also got The Lodge, which is a
3: thriller about a woman trying to bond with her new stepkids, but they get trapped in a snowed-in lodge and then creepy supernatural things begin to happen.
2: Oh, I just got chills just thinking Mm. about that. In My Blood It Runs is also out on Feb 20. And this is a documentary from filmmaker Maya Newell of Gaby Baby fame. It's about a 10-year-old boy from Central Australia facing challenges that push him towards becoming another statistic so i think Mm. this sounds like a a really important political film that we should um take in
3: definitely so that's it for this week honey boy
2: definitely worth seeing it is a limited release Mm -hmm. so do some research to find which cinemas in in sydney and in your local area but uh, highly encourage you to catch this
3: experimental form of cinema but really worth seeing
2: absolutely thanks for listening guys we will catch you next time for more reviews trailer news movie news
1: fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study,
0: people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC.